Oh, hello. I'm Nick Stewart, one half of Off Air. Each week, my good friend Tim Rubin and I get together and talk about the stories that we don't think are always getting the most coverage, but you should definitely know about them. I know, I know. If you listen to us regularly, you're not used to hearing my voice here, but I just couldn't wait to speak with you. This week, we dissect some really interesting Australian topics. Israel Folau, a man who is both very good at sport and persecuting people, could be heading back to the NRL. Want to know whether that's a good idea, commercially, morally, and for the code in general, I guess. Also, Tim noticed some changes to the advertising laws that people haven't really advertised. And it offers some really strange questions about the difference between commercial television and radio, and then what you see online in social media, Facebook, Instagram, and where we should be drawing the lines. Finally, magic mushrooms. They've been around forever, they grow out of the ground, and very soon you might be able to buy them over the counter in your local pharmacy. Is this a good idea? How dangerous are they? How dangerous is any drug? Well, find out. This is Off Air. What is our mandate? Tim Rubin. It's super creepy to reanimate somebody's dead father for their birthday. Nick Stewart. I really leaned into trying to get radicalised by ISIS. You're listening to Off Air. I believe it's this. Nick, I'm in the promised land. Look where I am. <laughs> I'm, in Mel- I'm in Melbourne in my share workspace in a little private booth now where I get to, I don't work all day in the booth, but I'm back. I got out of Sydney. I do love how you escaped, and, and it was a really quick exit. But I also love how those wanky private workspaces, like the one you're in, I love it how they try to make... Like, it looks like you're in a radio studio right now. They've even got soundproofing they stuff on the wall. They have foam on the walls. This is just a little, like, meeting room. Normally, I'm out in the middle, in the bullpen, and I'm surrounded mm. by some cool other startup-y people. But, what uh, do they do? Is there any good... Can, can you give us any investment tips? There's good people. There's a uh, reusable cup company. Uh, that sits across from me. There's a software designer, a television writer, um, an architect, all on my table as well. So it's very exciting. That is kind of cool. Look, uh, speaking of share tips, Mm -hmm. I did thoroughly enjoy the phone call I got from you last Thursday, which was at about nine in the morning, you just screaming at me, can I send you $200 to please invest (laughs) into GameStop? Please, please invest it now. And I said, look, I think (laughs) first and foremost, it's it's it it's traded on the US share market, which doesn't open till about nine or ten o'clock tonight. And secondly, I think the buzz might have gone by then. Uh and it had risen. Look, the GameStop, which I'm sure we've all heard of a million times, it did rise from about three dollars at the start of the year to something like four hundred and twenty dollars. The only problem was the day after you rang me, it crashed down to about two hundred bucks. So yes. we would have lost most of our money. So I called you because I know that you trade in shares. I'm not a share trader. I had seen this story and we see things normally at the start of the Australian news cycle and it Mm. was just trickling into Australia and I thought that meant it's going to trickle into the UK and other places as well and it will probably continue to blow up for about the next three or four days. But then Mm. it got taken off the stock exchange by dodgy companies and now there's an American inquisition into it. So yes, that's a very long way of me saying I would have lost all of our money. So the thank funny, you. Thank you for funniest. not listening to me. <laughs> the funny, well, I did. Did you notice how I gave you like the, 
the really shitty friend answer where I was like, yeah, all right, I'll call you tomorrow to let you know if it's a good idea. Like, I didn't want to stamp out your enthusiasm. <laughs> but I also think I know a pyramid scheme when I see it. Uh, although I did like how the, the major trading company that uh, all the Reddit users were using was called Robin Hood which traditionally you would think would steal from the rich to give to the poor. And instead they stopped the poor from stealing from the rich. There are just, by the way, I was speaking to Ellie about this last night. There are a lot of people who don't know how this all went down. They just know there was a company that was worth a lot and then was not worth anything. Mm. Can you boil it down in 10 seconds? How that happened? So when you think about trading shares really quickly, uh, what happens is you think you invest your money in and then that, a company will do something good and the value of that company will increase. So more people will buy shares, thus increasing the value of your shares. Uh, but there's actually a second side to trading, which is called shorting, which is where uh, a lot of major investment firms will basically bet on a company failing. So they will borrow shares off people and pay to borrow shares. So say, for example, if 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 you had shares in GameStop, and I wanted to short GameStop, I would come to you and say, hey, that share that you have, can I borrow that off you for a month? So I won't buy it. You still own the share. I'll give you a share back at the end of the month and I'll pay you money to do that. So I'll pay you $10 to do that. Mm -hmm. And what I'm banking on is in that period of time, that share will turn to shit. So what I have borrowed off you for that $10, the share might've been valued at 20. I'll go sell it to someone behind your back without telling you. And then at the end of the month, you need a share back off me and I'll go buy it back for $3 and I will have made $7 profit. Gotcha. Does that make sense? It does make sense. So so people were essentially in short, they're betting that share prices are going to go down. Which is a fair bet when it's a company that essentially is EB Games. That sells- In the middle of a global financial crisis. Sells DVDs <laughs> and-, and, and it, yeah. PlayStation games. And then Reddit users went, hey, wait a second, we can drive the share prices up. And fuck this and, company that has shorted it. Yes. And fuck over the hedge funds, which they did. And then the hedge funds got very angry about that. And then mm. surprise, surprise, the people who the hedge funds are with uh, are friends with uh, the people that run the stock market. And so they said, oh, we got to stop this. Yeah. Because uh, these people are profiting off our dodgy dealings. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and so they shut. They just shut the whole game down, and yep. now now people are very confused about it. Anyway, this is not one of our topics today, is no, it? No, no. But it's just rich people. Long story short, it's rich people being wankers. But also, if you hear about something that's too good for true, just the general gist. It's like Bitcoin. It's like all the other sketchy things you try to get me involved in, Tim. I if don't you think hear... you. Should, no, no, I've never tried to get you involved in Bitcoin. <laughs> If you hear about something that's too good to be true, it is already too late. You, that's the general you consensus. You sent me a text like the day after, and I think you summarized it perfectly. And you were like, surprise, surprise, the people that control all the money like <laughs> controlling all the money. Yes, <laughs> they don't like they don't. when a, an internet forum uh, hacks the ASX or the, the American Stock Exchange. All right. No. That's not one of our topics. So are you ready? No. Three topics Let's today. Do Let's do it. Story number one. Israel Folau is back in the news, Tim Rubin. He might be coming back to Australia and playing rugby league in 2021. Now, we all probably remember Israel Folau as just an incredible athlete 
fantastic human being, an upstanding role model you, for everybody you know, out there. You say this facetiously, but you <laughs> live in Queensland Territory, and I need yeah. to explain to you that for our Victorian listeners, they have no idea who Israel Folau is. No, they do, Tim. I literally was played, talking. No, he played AFL, and he was paid a million dollars a year. Did he really play AFL? Barry. Yeah, he was paid a million dollars a year. to. Uh, he played for Greater Western Sydney for two seasons, did nothing. But he was the great failure. He was the great because no one, plenty of people cross over from rugby league to yep. rugby union. Yeah, um, he was the first player to try to cross from rugby league to AFL, and he was paid a million bucks a year to do it and failed miserably. And he couldn't do it. Okay, but that's no. not why he's famous. So for our no. people who don't follow rugby, why was Israel? Why did he then blow up? Go ahead. Well, he's a tri he's a tri code athlete. So he played AFL, rugby league, rugby union, and essentially did his career in. He's he's a, a devote pastor. He's extremely religious. Uh, it's a Pentecostal religion. I don't think it's straight Mormonism, but it's more of a hybrid of a few. Well, it's definitely and not he... gay Mormonism because we'll find out in a second. <laughs> <laughs> he essentially put up a Instagram post about three years ago that said, warning, drunks, homosexuals, adulterers, liars, fornicators, thieves, atheists, and idolaters, which I don't know what an idolater is. Uh, Someone who uses is. italics when they don't need to. <laughs> repent. And then he said, those that are living in sin will end up in hell unless you repent. Jesus Christ loves you and is giving you time to turn away from your sin and come to him. Now, obviously this blew up uh, because he was playing rugby union for Australia at the time. And, and the Wallabies are traditionally an extremely proudly inclusive team and very forward thinking when it comes to gay rights and the LGBTI community. Well, they're trying to be forward thinking in general, because that was mm. the team that sung the national anthem using the indigenous uh, line quite, exactly. or in, in the indigenous language uh, very yeah. recently. And this was before the, um, uh, anthem had changed. So so you could definitely say that Australia's rugby union team is progressive as a whole. Absolutely. And and some of their biggest spokespeople, David Pocock, has actually almost gone to jail in other countries for standing in front of mining deposits, things wow. like that. They are it's very forward thinking people. And so obviously everyone was really upset. Israel Folau was the face of rugby union at the time in the world, basically, outside of the All Blacks. And um, people were really upset that he was alienating a lot of gay players. There has still never been an out player. I hate using the term out, but an openly uh, openly gay player. There is a, a famous example of a guy who has now come out after his playing career, but even said he felt uncomfortable then. And he played with Israel Folau. He was banned from rugby union, kicked out of the sport. Israel um, Folau was, not the guy who came yes. out. Yeah. No, sorry. Got to clarify that. He now might be coming back to rugby league. It's been about two years. He's been over in the UK playing rug, um, rugby league over there, and he wants to come back to the NRL and play for the St. George Illawarra Dragons. Which is my team as well. Is it really? Yes. I don't follow. I follow them from afar. When I was born, my dad told me I was a Dragon supporter. So uh, that was it. Um, you but, do follow them from afar because they're shit. Tim, I want to know, should he come back? <laughs> should you? Should a great athlete, and he is a great athlete, uh, be allowed to play despite his very controversial, poor form religious uh, views. I think it's a really big decision for the NRL uh, to make at the moment. Um, I think that Rugby Union Australia made a great decision to remove him. And now I don't think that anybody can say whether or not he should be allowed to or whether he shouldn't be allowed to, but 
the NRL as an organization needs to make a decision about what they stand for and where they side um, within the conversation about uh, gay rights. I think that I I obviously completely disagree with Israel Folau, um saying that what did what did he say that gay people are going to go to go to hell? I mean, I don't. Yeah, essentially yeah. that was him. He yeah. came back out and did re-clarify that statement and said he still loves gay people because he loves everybody, but they will go to hell. <laughs> Just, you know, <laughs> it's an interesting dilemma because. Whilst I disagree with Israel Folau, and we speak about um, freedom of speech quite a lot on this podcast, mm. um, and previously we've spoken about it in reference to Donald Trump, and I think a lot of people get very confused about freedom of speech, um, and Donald Trump is one of those people who didn't understand what it was at all. Um, Israel Folau is allowed to have those views. Um, under the contract that he was uh, that he had signed to play with Rugby Union Australia, it said that his social media was a part of, uh, was basically a representative of Rugby Union. And so they were able to legally fire him because of what he had written. But he is allowed to have those views. And I don't think that we as a society should fire people from any job based on based on whatever views they have unless you're in a specific uh situation like that mm. where he's representing something mm. so it's a big call for NRL to make because if they take him back then they are basically choosing his side and alienating millions of Australians but at the same time they need to sell tickets and he is a good player so it's a real dilemma it is. And the St. George Dragons are struggling in a major way. Peter yeah. Volandis, who has quickly become the patron saint of rugby league after saving the code last year during the coronavirus, had this to say about it. I have no tolerance for people that put other people's lives at risk or commit violence. It's a big statement to make with due respect to Israel, what he says young kids listen to. He's a role model. They act on it. And when you're a kid at school and you get bashed up because you're different, I don't think that's a good mm. thing. So he's taken a very firm stance on it. The, the club CEO of St. George have said, we're always on the lookout for great players. We have inquired with the NRL about Israel Flower and we'll work with them to hopefully see him join us in 2021. It's worth noting, I think I'd like to pick your brain around the difference between the moral obligation and the financial obligation because the other big part of him leaving the Wallabies at the time was a lot of pressure was put on Rugby uh, Australia from Qantas, who are the naming rights sponsors of the Wallabies. Alan Joyce, famously the CEO of Qantas, uh, mm -hmm. a very open uh, and proud member of the LGBTI community and a great spokesman and role model for those people, said, we can't have Israel as part of the game. And St. George Bank have already expressed concern. They are the major sponsors wow. of the Dragons. So one little wrinkle, the contract would be worth a million dollars over two years. And it has a clause in it saying that Israel Folau would not be able to express his religious beliefs on social media. Is that weird, Tim? Is it weird that we're saying, like, I uh, still around 50% of the Australian population say that they are religious in some aspect. Is it weird that, that they're drawing a line in the sand saying due to commercial reasons, essentially, you can't express your religious views? I actually think it's great because it's the other side of the coin of what I was just talking about. What I was just talking about was the balance of finances 
and ethics or, or morals. And I was kind of pitting them against each other saying, well, on one hand, you have uh, siding with this progressive belief. And it's not even fucking progressive. It's just acknowledging that gay people exist. <laughs> I can't even believe that I'm putting it, boiling it down like this. But you have yeah. siding with the acknowledgement that homosexual people are real and mm. uh, people. And then I was kind of pitting that against the idea that it could potentially be good for the code because he is a good player and that will um, get bums on seats or in COVID mm. times get people to turn on channel whatever it's on. Um, but the other side of the coin is what you've just mentioned, saying that there are greater financial implications because there are these huge backers. So I think it's wonderful to hear that there are large financial organisations like St George or like Qantas who don't want the code to be marred by such terrible and offensive behavior. Now, mm. the one thing that I would say to this as well, we're kind of entering into the realm of cancel culture. And what essentially happened in Australia was Israel Folau got canceled. Now, mm. the, the question that we've yet to see the world properly answer is how long does someone get canceled for and what happens next? Because I don't think that you can say to anybody, well, because you said this one thing in a tweet however many years ago, you are never allowed to work in this country again. I think that we need to be able to move forward. And I think if he were to apologize... Um, he won't. He, Just as a, I know, he will not apologize. But if he were to apologize or express any type of remorse, like what is the path for somebody to come back and and should we have some type of system where instead of a cancellation, we have like someone gets time out, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like like when you're a kid and you're in kindergarten and you spill the paints on your friend's head because you think it's funny, you don't get canceled from kindergarten. You get a timeout. Mm. <laughs> and then after a certain period of time, you're allowed to show remorse and then return to the classroom. I think that, I mean, is Ruffle out? What, what's it been? You said it's been three years. About three years, yeah. I think that if there was remorse, I think he should be allowed to return to the game. If I there think was. it's worth just putting in perspective as well that this is the same league that allowed Todd Carney an opportunity to play three times after he once lit another human being on fire in a bar. And also uh, uh, currently has Matt Lodge, who has shown remorse, uh, as one of the biggest players in the game who went on a rampage in New York and threatened to kill a woman who was pregnant Jesus. after breaking into her house. But was he allowed to play after? When did that happen? He is playing now. Oh, he's, he's playing They're now. talking about him potentially being a captain of the Brisbane Broncos. Right. Okay. <laughs> All right. So well, I obviously don't condone any of those things. But it's not a case of, uh, it's not a case of in for a penny, in for a pound. Like <laughs> the, all of these things need to be fixed. Um, yes. I think that the NRL needs to make a serious decision. I think it sounds like there are going to be big enough financial implications that they're going to have to take those things into account. Um, I would like to see in my ideal world, Israel Folau, uh realize the wrongdoing of his ways um, and attempt to make amends. And then I would like to see him return to sport because he is a great athlete. I agree. I'd like to, I think he should have the opportunity to play. I think he should be on a really short leash. And um, I think that there should be an element of, of uh, community service to him coming back into the game where he has to be a, a strong role model or representative for all people uh, and not just his religion. Story number two. So this week there was a national change in the rules for advertising across Australia. And I, uh, 
I've, I've been wondering if this is all too little too late. So the first sign that the rule changes may have missed the boat is firstly that nobody is talking about it. So for starters, Nick, did you know that there's been an Australia-wide advertising rule change? Have you seen No, this? and I work in commercial media. <laughs> so, I don't work in the sales side, but... Um, you could have already broken no. the new rules. Quite possibly. And you wouldn't even know. Um, so the rule changes were brought in by ANA, which is the Australian Association of National Advertisers, and they've put together a new code of ethics that came into effect on the 1st of February. So we're a couple days in. Under mm. the new rules, there are two major changes for mainstream advertising. One, uh, the use of gender stereotypes being promoted in ads. That's now prohibited under the new codes. Yeah. And two, um, the other is the use of overtly sexual imagery in ads where it is not deemed appropriate. So for example, in a lingerie ad, you could be sexual, but in an yeah. ad for a new phone or for a beer, we don't need to see a naked woman on a billboard on the highway. Mm. Nick, they say that sex sells. Um, so is this anti-capitalist? I think that's a fascinating rule to police. I think it's going to be really hard. It draws my mind to the fact, so a really good example, smart advertisers will bypass these rules. Ultimately, they will find a way to bend these rules to still suit their products. And a great example of that is the way we advertise cars. So if you look at a car ad, specifically if it's a performance car, you'll often notice that it's driven off-road. Have you ever noticed that? That like quite often if you see a Holden Commodore fanging along in an ad, it's done on a, a salt flat. Or yeah. if you see a four-wheel drive and they want to show that it's tough and it can move, it'll be done off-road. That's actually specifically mountain, yeah. done. Yeah. So that it doesn't appear on roads because there are laws in place banning advertisers from showing cars perform illegal activity or perform outside of the realm of what would be acceptable on Australian roads. And it's also a big part of the reason that those ads do lean into hyper-masculinity for those cars and things like that, because advertisers have gone, well, if we can't do it on the roads, we're going to find a different way to do it. So we're going to add an, an, an ACDC song to it and blow it up. So I do wonder how you go about policing, specifically the gender stereotypes one. This That's is the one that... It's a really I find curious because does that mean you can't so you see your your ad for Ladbrokes and it's all men sitting in a pub gambling having a great time uh does that is that a re reinforcing a gender stereotype it doesn't say and these are the this is a it's a really great question that you ask and these are the questions that I think we need to ask. Mm. On the flip side, um, one of the examples in the article that I was looking at, one of the only articles that I could find that was talking about this was an example of a Pino Clean ad and it had a uh, woman lying in a hammock and then a picture of Pino Clean and it said, Pino Clean, put some time back in your day. And what it was mm. obviously insinuating was that this woman is able to clean faster with Pino Clean. And so obviously mm. there are... Um, there are gender stereotypes being promoted there that, that women do the cleaning. But at the same time, how do you ungender stereotype that ad? So yeah. does it do, does there need to be a man and a woman in all ads? Small Thai child, I think. <laughs> yeah. Do you um, need to have all stereotypes in an ad? And then and then you start to get into, well, if you're Pino Clean, I don't think that they're one for they're not like yeah fucking gender stereotypes we want to no. promote them they probably have done a whole bunch of advertising and have found that 
they probably have some statistics to show who is m- more likely to oh, buy Pinoclean in the family. So specific who was in that hammock. It yes. would, she would have been a specific age. She would have even probably had a specific hair color. They would have put her in specific clothes. Yes, exactly. So, and so if they have this data and they go, I mean, I don't know this data, but let's say they go, okay, mm. 70% of households, women buy the cleaning products. Are they then not allowed to target their advertising? based on that data or do you need to cram a man into that hammock as well somewhere it's an well, interesting this is where it's 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 i i i i'm probably well i understand these rules i'm i think i'm probably opposed to them from the perspective that i think that media is a bit of an open market and i also think that bad stuff will get pointed out as being bad i mean have you seen the tom waterhouse ads recently um, have they popped up in your so I haven't seen ads, but I've seen his Facebook and Instagram posts of him standing. Well, the, that's what I'm referring oh, to. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So they weren't ads. So they were Facebook and Instagram posts. Which is different. But Which is different. Yeah. And this is also where I'm leading to next. But go ahead. Tell me what you want to yeah, say about it's those. Just, it's just they're obviously shit. I mean, and everyone so it's has him standing with five <laughs> bikini-clad women. Yeah, bouncing uh, on trampolines or holding lambs, yeah. doing just weird shit around his place. And he's copped a lot of flack for them because, he, A, he's not that kind of person. Like, he looks he, he looks as stiff as a brick. He's not the Dan Bilzerian of Australia, that's for no, sure. <laughs> not at all. But, B, because they are pretty bloody atrocious ads that everyone goes, oh, that's a bit fucking gaudy. Like, what are we going back to the man show with Jimmy mm. Kimmel in 1999? Um, so, you know, I do think that bad stuff will always be generally considered bad. We, as a public, are good at self-regulation. So do you think that a company should be allowed to be bad? Because I think this is what it's what, this is what it's coming down to is – we as as Australia are becoming more yeah. progressive. And I think that, mm. let's say beers, for example, if you choose to advertise your beer with sexually suggestive imagery, then there is going to be a portion of the population that goes, well, I don't want to buy that ad anymore because of what it represents. And that's capitalism working. Yes. Should we be getting involved in saying you can't no. advertise in this way? I don't think government should over-regulate advertisements. And I think the second part to that is... Like, we've got so much porn now. We don't need that shit in our advertising. We can we can access porn. Like that's the thing. It used back in the day when you were scrounging around for a magazine. Maybe it was good to see some tits sell some chico rolls. But now it's like, well, I don't I don't even care for porn scenes in TV dramas. Like I'm like I can just go get the real thing. So everything that you're saying to is alluding to my second point that I wanted to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Tom Waterhouse, porn on the internet, all of these things. So in 2020, the estimated spend on influencer advertising was 15 billion dollars globally. The Facebook revenue in Australia for 2019 was 670 million dollars, and the Google revenue was 1.3 billion dollars in Australia in 2019 alone. Everything that we've been talking about right now has been in mainstream advertising and what that mm. doesn't completely capture is social media advertising and the move to influencer collaborations which completely bypasses um everything all regulations, all regulations. including cash for comment which is one of the firmest regulations involved in traditional media 
Um, do you think that because I think I mean it's a very gray area uh, to say sh- you should be allowed to use sexual imagery or you shouldn't. There's a strong argument for people to not be able to use it. By the way, we've been talking about the capitalism, but there have there have been numerous studies that have found strong links between sexualized advertising and eating disorders, low self esteem, and depression. Um, mm. Specifically, in the young women in the society where those things are found. So that's why these things are coming in, and there is. Very, very strong reasoning for it. Why don't we have uh, normal sized male models? That's just my, that's just my because thought. We don't care because guys, I know, I know it's the dirty not, little secret, isn't it? The guys, don't, don't, I don't fucking look at the dude's abs. But yeah. We're also, like, not bomb- we're also not bombarded by it from the age of five. So mm. we have a very different relationship with it. But seeing as influencers and Facebook marketing, um, seems to bypass these laws. Do you think that these new rules are too little, too late? And do you think that the mainstream media advertising is playing catch up now? Like I do. I th- well, I think that there's a massive problem in Australia in general with uh, our inability to look at uh, how quickly the world has moved in the past 15 years mm-hmm. in terms of regulation. Regulation in Australia takes a long time to go through. It takes years of lobbying from different groups, different committees. It has to go through law. Uh, and it's a very slow process for something that is evolving very quickly. And this is the major crux of a lot of consternation at the moment in media, specifically if you look at things like the new Google laws and stuff like that. Because of the simple fact that you have traditional media and you have social media and social media is so much more effective and less regulated. So that's where advertisers like to go because they can get their specific message out. That still exists. And I watch right now, I can't think of the last time I have gotten home and put in free to air TV on. When was the last time you watched free to air TV? Uh, literally never. I mean, in, in my Bendigo mm. house, we don't have a TV that's connected to free to air. We do watch. Yeah, neither do I. No. Jazz and I don't even have ours connected so, to an area. So we have the <laughs> nine now app that we watch mm. because of uh, House Hunters, AKA Dumb Americans, our favorite show, which yeah, is just, cool. it's just dumb Americans trying to figure out how to buy a house. I don't, I don't want to break the uh, spell for you, Tim, but that's that show is totally fake. They don't end up with any of the houses. <laughs> anyway, that's the only free-to-air television that I that I consume at all. Um, but I don't even watch it on, on free-to-air television. So I think that these forms of advertising are slowly eroding. And I think yeah. that as a body, they are trying to keep up now and trying to be progressive. And I think that unfortunately... I mean, as we showed by you not having even heard about these and you working in the industry that it directly affects, I don't think anybody cares. I think it's too little too late. I agree. I agree completely. What we actually need to address is how do we get some sort of control over social media before it becomes a free run anything? And maybe it should be. That's the, that's, that's the thing. But then you've, you, 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 you undo all these years of, as you said, body dysmorphia and gender stereotypes and all those types of things, tobacco, all of that. Like it is, it's, it's funny. So it'll be interesting to see how it evolves. It won't, you know, I'll make sure that I include a female voice next time I've taken my shirt off and I'm trying to sell beer to people over the radio, <laughs> which I'm not allowed to do anyway. <laughs> Story number three. Tim Rubin, we're all going to get on the mushies. What do you mean? 
you might have missed this great news uh, and there was some great chat around it in the Facebook group, uh, which you can join off-air community. Uh, it is a private group, so just send us an invite around the fact that CBD lollies are now going to be ready, readily available over the counter from some pharmacies, although I have heard the prices are going to be pretty unreal. You get CBD, well, CBD oils. Not see. Yes, it's not lollies. Not Hopefully, lollies. we get the lollies soon. I, I'm uh, hoping if the oils come through, that the other stuff is going to come through soon. I well, obviously, because you just slipped it in. I think, what's that an example of wishful thinking? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, and it's so, all legal. So CBD, um, uh, CBD oil. Uh, the laws have changed. We're going to be seeing it in pharmacies. Yes, that's that's the small part of the story. Mm-hmm. Great stuff. So happy to see so many people in the Facebook group wanting to get involved with that. I think it's going to be fantastic for depression. I've mentioned it a bunch of times in the podcast before. New news this week, the same uh, association, which is the Therapeutic Goods Association, which greenlit CBD lollies, uh, has is potentially going to be allow, allowing MDMA and psilocybin to be used for medicinal uses in Australia. So psilocybin are the type of mushrooms that are magic mushies. Wow. Uh, and MDMA is obviously, I think we all know now, it's Molly. It's 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 been a party so drug for a long time. I've obviously heard of doctors prescribing uh, different types of cannabinoids or, or, or weed mm. or, or um, CBD oil for anxiety and pain relief and things like that. I have not heard of the same being done with mushrooms or MDMA. Where so, is it being used? Interestingly, uh, three different states in America on the election day passed laws saying that they were going to allow psilocybin to be used, specifically MDMA and psilocybin. It turns out it's fantastic uh, for persistent um, depression, depression that also doesn't work with standard treatments post-traumatic stress disorder is a big one and other extremely complex mental illnesses like schizophrenia. I mean, of course uh, it's it's good for depression for about four hours. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, you don't have to be a doctor. How do they do that over a long period of time? Well, first and foremost, it's clean. So it, this will be clean and regulated MDMA as opposed to... St- if you were to go buy a pill off someone for $25, it also has God knows what else in it. Mm. It almost certainly has amphetamines in it for a start. And it can have a bunch of other things, including stuff like um, caffeine tablets crushed into it. Which oh, is and the stuff terrible really other stuff like, rat, exactly like right. rat poison and drain cleaner and things like that. Uh, yeah, look, that's what they tell you. I don't know a lot of drug dealers that are like, you know what's going to make this batch good? Some rat poison. <laughs> And put some, you know what, you know what I'm going to bled this up in my toilet. There's a lot of scare campaigns around it. Okay. I, I did want to point out, Tim, um, straight off the bat that one of the biggest advocates for this, uh, is a guy called Chris Barry AC, uh, who was chief of the defense force of Australia until 2002. And he had to say nearly every one of us will have a story about somebody, even themselves, who has suffered post-traumatic stress disorder. There's a whole host of people who've been treated inside what I would call a mental system, which is pretty inadequate by most standards, who said, I took the pills, I did what I was told, and it didn't work for me. And his hope is that these will allow those people to get a better quality of life and to help become part of a toolbox along with things like exercise, diet, not drinking too much meditation to create a better state of mental health specifically for soldiers. So can I ask, um, are we talking about that? So you're talking about mushrooms and Mm -hmm. MDMA 
being yes. used in the same way. How would you, uh, are you going to be using, not you, sorry, but are they, well, man, I'm actually, <laughs> are they suggesting that somebody essentially microdoses with these things to yes. deal with something over a long period of time? They're not suggesting yeah. that you take it and it's a one time fix. No, this is, this will be part of a medication treatment plan. So it's the same as CBD is being introduced into mental health medication treatment plans. Look, I think we've all got a pretty interesting view on drugs. In general, most people do. And I'd like to play a game with you, Tim. Sure. Um, so there was a UK study from the Independent Scientific Committee conducted in 2016 where they got a scale of 20 drugs. Uh-huh. And they did extensive research into working out which ones create the most harm in human beings. Oh, all right. So, but are we talking about strictly the cleanest version of them? Because like I said, um, the danger of MDMA is not actually MDMA. And that's why it's been so wonderful to see Canberra introduce drug testing at festivals because hmm. they're not... You know, if you've, you're taking dud pills. Yeah, and and they believe it has saved lives already. Yeah, I think they found something like six... Um, mm. try, uh, six pills that would have killed people potentially. Uh, okay, so we're talking about the we're not talk, we're not we're, we're talking about uh, no we're not these this is actually straight because it, it can't be a clean substance and you'll see why okay. in a second. What do you think the number one drug on that scale of one to twenty is in terms of harmfulness? Um, probably something like ice or heroin. Uh, heroin's number two. You got very close. Number one is alcohol. Oh, you did what? You did that to me. You did that. I, I see. Number six. I didn't know we were talking about all. Okay, all right. All drugs. All drugs. Yeah. All drugs. That was the old. Tri- yep. Yeah. Well, it's a drug. Well done, healthy Harold. I know. Um, also on the list is uh, obviously caffeine, which comes in at number sixteen. Check. Um, tobacco number six. Yep. Cannabis is in at number eight. MDMA is number 17. Oh, really? LSD is number 18. And number 20 on the list is psilocybin mushrooms. It is, out of those 20 drugs, the least harmful, according to the Independent Scientific Committee in the UK. Really? Yes. I've never done mushrooms and I've never been around them, really. Um, I've never done mushrooms either, weirdly. I'm, like, I'm, it's, there's, I'm not opposed to it i've just never been in a situation where it's happened to me um do you know is it is is that in line with um i don't know people who you know who have taken it i was chatting to people uh i was at a barbecue on the gold coast with my fiance jazz and i was chatting to some people down there and they and we got into a discussion actually about psilocybin mushrooms becoming legal in the u.s to treat depression both of the two people i spoke to suffered from depression both of them were self-dosing with mushrooms and said it was fantastic. They said that uh, they've tried everything. They've tried heavy-duty antidepressants. They've tried a bunch of stuff. They now um, go get the mushrooms themselves out of cow shit uh, wow. and blend it up and create their own tonic that they then um, will use when they're going through hard times. And they both said it was the best thing that they had found for them. They both had sort of far off stairs and I had I had a feeling well, they might have been on mushrooms when I was talking to them. Yeah. And and but this some is, people's pain is severe. Is some it? people live without with with 
without being able to function with the pain they experience. Well, my question is, and I don't know where this stands in your graph of one to 20, but Mm. I think we've all met people who are, for lack of a better term, drug fucked. Yes. We've all met people who have been in our lives for whatever reason. And you know, and I've actually had a friend who um, uh, got addicted to ice for not a huge amount of time, I think probably a year or 18 months. And he, mm. he is different. I think he's different. Uh, he's not, I think if a normal person, if a, an objective person met him, you wouldn't go, oh, that person has been through that. But I know that it changed him. Mm. So my question is, uh, is this going to have a long-term impact on people? Is this going to change people potentially for the worse? Well, I think the answer to that is, there is addiction, but there is a difference between addiction and use. An addiction of anything is going to be harmful for someone on a long-term basis yeah. because it literally changes our neurological pathways. Mm-hmm. Addic- they've proven that addiction to anything can create different synapses and neurological pathways that will change your brain. But use of something is a different term. People can use drugs and not be addicted to them. Mm. People can, you and I drink alcohol and we're not addicted to it. But there are also people I know, I have friends who are alcoholics who can't drink alcohol anymore because they've realized that it has affected their brain. It affects their decision making. So it's always important to draw a line between addiction and use. And what this is referring to is safe medicated use and not addiction. Could it potentially lead to people becoming addicted to it and finding it on the free market? Possibly. But statistically in countries where this is done, happened it's shown that it doesn't happen at any greater rate to what it does in 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 when it was illegal to do it very interesting well i'm looking forward to seeing these studies roll out i would love to read about the results of them after these studies i guess they're literally happening now in america um yeah and the other thing that i'll just throw into the mix the massive news story that broke about the cbd oils becoming legal over the counter Mm. in pharmacies in australia i went into a pharmacy and asked about it And they said there's still a really... Firstly, it caught them totally off guard. They didn't know that it was coming. Um, The people at Maloof were surprised that you were trying to buy cannabis off them. No, I I was walking past one and I thought, you know what, I've got to find out. And so I spoke to the pharmacist and I was like, how does this... How does it work? And they said it's caught them totally off guard. Um, At the moment, the law has been passed, but now the individual products need to go through the TGA Uh, system. So it's probably not going to be another couple of months before anything is readily available because all these companies like Blackmores or whoever's going to be making mm. these things needs to figure out what their product is, set it up, and then get it approved. So, Are you going to try it? Are you going to try CBD? Well, if it's available over the counter, then I, I, I've got to trust in the science. And um, <laughs> I mean, they're selling it like cough medicine. Yeah, yeah, I'll try it for sure. I actually do some work for um, a, a company over in the United States that's backed by an, an ex-NFL player. Um, and he hmm. started his own CBD oil company. And it's not, the CBD is not the part of um, the plant that gets you high in any way. No. So these are- THCs, so they remove THC out of it. Yeah, so these are normal people, uh, like I speak to them all the time. Um, they're able to drive, they're able to operate as if ex- exactly the same. They have lower levels of anxiety and inflammation. So Nearly every single professional athlete in America uses CBD. 
And most of them are sponsored by CBD companies. Yeah, it's blowing up over there. So yeah, I'll definitely give it a try and see see what difference it makes. I don't Man, need to they're ask great. you. I was, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, was in, I was in Hawaii two years ago. I had a great time. <laughs> they're lovely. Great for hangovers as well, just as a side note. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Nick Picks! So there's a hot new Australian drama out, and I'm not sure if anyone would have heard of it, but it's called Rake. Uh, I oh, don't God. actually, I think they've finished now. <laughs> have you just <laughs> discovered it? I have. Uh, what, are you, what season are you watching? I am uh, uh, in the final episode of season one, so don't spoil it. Oh, you're back at the more. start. Okay, good for you. I wanted to watch it from the start. It's great, I though. Th- I can't believe I haven't watched this show. I feel like you were doing so well. You were like finding some cool bands and things like that for Nick Picks, and now you've just brought us right back. Everyone. Well, I've watched a bunch of Rake. It's a great Richard Roxburgh, fantastic actor. I'm surprised that more people don't know about this show. Um, my Nick pick, my <laughs> recommendation for the week is also an Australian um, uh, film thing. We're being very Australiana today. Um, the Dry, which is at cinemas at the moment. Have you seen The Dry or seen trailers for it? Parents saw it two weeks ago. Absolutely loved it. Said you have to see it in cinema. They yeah. said it's not a, it's not a home one. Yeah, I think a lot of, I think most movies are better at the cinema. Ellie and I went and checked it out. Um, it stars Eric Banner. It's written by Jane Harper. It it captures what I thought was, A, the storyline was beautiful, um, very, very well written. Generally, when a book is adapted to a movie, you know that the storyline is going to hold up because it's been through a whole process and it was a great book to begin with. Um, but then also it just captures an element of Australia that I don't think you see in many Australian films. In so many, like Baz Luhrmann's Australia, you know, you see a kangaroo and you see... Pretty bang on, I reckon. (laughs) This this was like he stayed at an Aussie pub in a little Mm. town. And just, have you ever stayed at one of those pubs where, oh, we've stayed in one together. We've stayed in one together, you dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I stayed in it while I had Golden Staff and you went out. I went out partying. But then night. I came back eventually. Like the bed sheets in those rooms and the yeah. and the fan that rotates and just. With noise. and Yes. And the yeah. shared bathroom and things like that. It just captures that to a T. So it's a really great movie. I would go check it out. Yeah, I've been told for anyone that, uh, and I know a a lot of you out there that consume this do live in regional Australia. It's a great encapsulation of small Australian towns. So I am really excited. I'm I'm hoping to see it this weekend, actually, in VMAX. Um, Yeah, go. Enjoy. All right, we are out of here. Um, uh, If you are not in the Facebook group, we would love to see you in the Facebook group. Jump in, search in your Facebook search section off-air podcast community um, and we can get your thoughts on all of the different topics. Catch you next week. You've been listening to Off Air. Remember to like and subscribe. People are entitled to their sexual proclivities. <laughs>